Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today we're going through our final community chat series with another two-time hat winner, Mini Monk, to discuss his his uh, purple team, the, the Frio Dockers and all the things going on there, as well as deep diving into things that we are watching this preseason. Let's go! G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy, joined by my co-host, Luke Rogerson, here for another special guest interview, mate. I am, mate, and I've already fucked it up because we've already revealed the He's special the guest screen. on screen. He's I've, on gone the early, I've gone early on him. He's on the screen. You it's are frazzled today, it's mate. It's Buck. I'm frazzled, but I'm happy to be talking to the great man. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. How about you both? Very, very good, mate. Uh, better now that you're on the podcast. Correct. Some oh. wisdom. You uh, you dropped some knowledge on us last year in one of our very early episodes and uh, got some good value out of that. So see if we can squeeze some more information out of you this year. And uh, Can I also just say, it's been playing on my mind, but Minimunk is uh, one of the people to come on our show and drop an all-time great one-liner. Yeah, one's the, the joke. singer. I, I yeah, suspect yeah. he wouldn't remember. You know, it's, He probably drops them all the time. But the little Bailey Smith on the nose gear from last year has been circling in my head and I just want to, you know, props props to you, Mini Monk. Keep bringing that energy on the show, I reckon. I'll, I'll see what I can find uh, this episode. Got to try and rival your one-liners. Yeah, if you, can, if you can get a good dad joke in there, Luke will remember it forever. So that's his, that's his gear. Uh, uh, but our, uh, our viewers would also love to know that last year, after coming onto our show and giving away all your secrets, you still backed it up and won yourself another hat, uh, which is your second for AFL Fantasy, if I am correct. So you're coming on here with a, a very uh, big resume and, and a lot of um, you know, credence behind what you say. So uh, we'll, be, we'll be here ready to listen. So uh, pressure's on, mate. Just got to back it up again. Back it up again. And now, and now also, before we get stuck in the questions, you're in the uh, rumours are that you're floating into the Content Creators Cup. Is that correct? Can you confirm or deny? I cannot confirm or deny oh. yet. I am still waiting for the official invite to come into okay. the mail. The old no comment. We might like see that. soon. Okay, I'll fingers crossed you don't make it in because then uh, I can have more of a chance <laughs> of going back to back. Uh, but let's get stuck into it. We like to start these podcasts by quizzing uh, the guests on their team. And your team is the uh, the, the purple army that is the Fair Dockers. Um now, we're going to start with the, what do we got? The, the biggest news for the Freo Dockers is Nat Fife. The preseason buzz around him. He's moving back into the midfield. He's lining himself up for a third Brownlow. What, do we, what can we expect from Nat Fife in 2024 in terms of his role uh, and his fantasy prospects this year? I think it's really tricky to know exactly how he fit in, but... I see him more as a fourth midfielder rather than someone who's the mainstay. I, st- I still see it as being Brayshaw, Sarong, and then Young coming in and being, you know, those three are the core getting 70 to 80% of CBAs. And if he's the fourth person coming into that midfield mix, I'd probably see him as about a 30, 40% midfield guy. Interesting. Okay. He gets a fair chunk of CBAs, high rate, but I think they'll start to phase him out towards the back half of the game. And I actually see him as being someone that they'll look to sub out in games yeah. quite often as well. Not every game, um, but maybe, you know, once every three games or so. That was something that we sort of mentioned on our previous podcast as well. And pe- people, if they're picking that five, they're picking him for the cash generation. And mm. we all know that if there's a sub-affected game or if there's a game where he even gets rested, that kind of stunts the cash gen altogether. Is, uh, has he spent any time in your starting team at, at risk of revealing your secrets there, if you're happy to? He, he has spent time in my starting team, actually. Um, despite the fact that, he might be on managed minutes and might be subbed out of games. I still think he's a guy that can pop out an 80, 85, even with a game that he's subbed out in. Um, he, he has shown a scoring propensity, but 
you know, I think it says more about what our forward lines are at rather than where he is as a player for us. Agreed. I think I think if there are other players that pop during the preseason, I I would be more likely to go towards those options than returning to an at five because of those red flags that you and I discussed on our previous podcast and that Mini Monk raises. It's interesting you said about thirty to forty percent there. So do you do you feel like him going into the midfield more has a flow on effect with any of those other guys, or do you think that? they'll still get theirs and Fife is going to fit in around them and not the other way around. I think you've got to try and fit in around the younger brigade. I mean, you look at Sarong, Brayshaw and Young, they're all right in coming into their prime. They're all coming into that 25, 26, 27-year-old age bracket in the next two years. Fife's 32. He's an old fart. He's a good player, (laughs) but he's probably not going to be there for that much longer. And you don't want to sacrifice your future for the sake of putting one of your better players in the past into your midfield rotation. So I think that he he needs to be the one that kind of balances his midfield time with what the others do. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see those other three at the first CBA and Fife is probably the first rotation and off the bench for the next CBAs after that happens. And, well, I was just going to ask, and what about the, the addition of Hayden Young as well? So obviously we saw him a little bit at the back end of last season, but uh, it was only a small sample size. Do you, do you see him pushing anyone out? I think consensus would say that... Um, Who's the other old-timer that was in there a little bit last season? I'm having a blank. Um, Omira? Omira, yeah. Is, it, is he the guy that's naturally just going to come out, or, or is there those other guys maybe taking a step back at all? Does, does Hayden Young affect anyone in that midfield? I, I think it's just as simple as Omira goes out and, and Young goes in. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Omira spends a fair bit of time rotating between AFL and Waffle during the year. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. It's probably a decent segue when we're talking about that midfield mix to now talk specifically about uh, about Brayshaw because there's mm. a lot of people that you know might be interested in having him as the, the marquee player in their midfield. Do you think there's a scenario where he backs up last season and maybe even um, provides some value? What, what do you see him? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not even just last season. It's the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. He went 112 in 2022 and then 110 last year. Yeah. And the other thing about that 110 is that he had a really slow start to the year. He's, he's had He said during the year that he had a lot of pain in his knee and that he wasn't able to actually play pain-free up until about round seven. And so if you look from that point onwards, it's actually about a 114 average that he went at. So I think that there's definitely a world that he's able to back it up and be able to go 110 for three years straight, which is, you know, at the top end of what Uber mids can do. When when you're looking at that sort of pick, let's call it your M1 pick, and you're thinking about, you know, do I lock in a guy that I think is going to do what he did last year, or, or do you um, look particularly for value and say, like, oh, I really want to know that the guys that I'm picking in my team are at least going to improve a little bit? I think it's trickier. As you start to get to those more expensive players, the amount of value that you actually need out of them is less. You might only need a couple of points out of a guy like Brayshaw who's priced at 110 for him to be a good starting pick. And the other things that you're probably looking for in these sorts of players is like, do they have a good floor? Are they not going to burn you with bad scores? And if we look at Brayshaw after that knee injury, the answer is yes. He had two 90 scores. One was a 97 and the other one was a 91, which he was tagged in for a half against West Coast. And the other thing is the ceiling. Like, does he have a ceiling that allows him to be able to take you away from, like, the rest of the competition? And we know that he does. He had he had a 180 in 2022. He had a 150-odd last year. So those are the sorts of things that you're looking for in players that are priced around about that, you know, 105 to 110 marker. I've got two more questions on Brayshaw. Um, the first is, do you see any risk of him spending more time on a wing or coming off high half four that some people have suggested being the more outside type compared to your Sarongs, Fifes, and potentially a Hayden Young. And the, the follow-up question is, if he is inside still at the majority of the time, do you see him or Sarong being the first tag target uh, for opposition taggers? I, I might start with the second one because I think it's a bit of an easier one to answer. Sarong is definitely the tag target I now, I think. Uh, I don't think that Brayshaw is someone that teams will look to tag because he doesn't seem as damaging as what Sarong can be. Uh, in answer to the first question, wing, not really. He hasn't trained on the wing at all during the preseason. Right. Not, no time there. I, I don't see it. I don't know where that line of uh, reasoning is coming from. High half forward, I could see potentially playing similar to someone like a Walsh did yep. towards the back half of 2023 where they push in and they're the first one. The, the role is not to stay at half forward, it's to immediately push into the stoppage and provide an extra number around the ball. I could see that happening, but I don't think that that would be detrimental to his scoring. However, I still see him being a, a 70 to 80% midfielder. Yep. I think Sarong is the number one midfielder, and I think that Brayshaw and, and Young will probably rotate as being the second and third. Given All good points. 
Given that Young is obviously coming into the midfield, that's been well publicised. Another guy that's now been getting a bit of airtime is Jordan Clark. What do you see his role being? And do you think priced, I think, at sort of 75, I think it was, roughly. Do you think he can give us enough yeah. upside if he gets, uh, gets a little bit of more ball across halfback? I mean, what do you need him to go if he's priced at 77? You're probably wanting high 80s, 90, 88 to 90. A good pick, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and so, like, that is in his realm of possibilities. Like, he averaged low 80s in 2022 with basically the same role. So I think that he can easily get to low 80s, but going much higher than there is hard to see. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing with someone like Clark is that he's really inconsistent with his scoring. Like one week he can go 120 and the week after he might drop a 40. He's very similar to someone like Kadeen Coleman where yeah. he's in a good role, but just because of the fact that there's other pieces around him, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be a good scorer. So if you wanted to go there, there's a really good block of fixtures for Freo coming in towards their buy. Okay. But it's not as good to start the season, so it's 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 something that you could look at. But I wouldn't be going there personally myself. Yeah, I think, we, and we highlighted that in the previous episode where you know a lot of people referenced that eighty-eight average in the last five, or the what was it, the ninety the or something, in the last higher. three. But yeah. if you look at those last five, there's like a sixty-seven and a seventy, and then a hundred and twenty, mm. and then an yeah. eighty-nine, and then a hundred kind of thing. So it was like you said, a bit more up and down, and. Um, yeah, I just find that interesting that obviously you can look at the average, but when you go into the game by game, it, it kind of paints a bit more of a, a scarier picture, I think. So um, let's move on to some of the younger players now. Uh, Jeremy Sharp obviously was someone that Freo has been trying to get for the last couple of years, I think, uh, from what I understand. And he finally lands there this season. Now, I'd imagine that the Heath Chapman injury helps him, but do you think that his job security is, is solid in Freo's best 22? Yeah, I think Frey had been trying to pick him up for a couple of years and he didn't end up even being steak knives. He was just free. Yeah. And and if you look at it, I, I don't think the Chapman injury is what cemented Sharp because I think they're playing kind of different roles. I see Sharp as being a pure out-and-out winger and I see Chapman as someone who was going to be playing on halfback and then pushing up onto a wing every now and then. So it doesn't really change his best 22, but I actually do think he was best 22 even before the Chapman injury. Yeah. Uh, I think he's bringing something that they're wanting. They're wanting a lot of running. They're wanting someone who can actually play out entire games. And so, yeah, I think he's got a pretty good role there. Do you think he's startable on our field in, in fantasy teams? This is the trickier question yeah. with someone like Sharp. And I think this is going to be a lot of the M7, M8. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Up discussions that we have, I don't know how good his scoring will be. I think it'll be very volatile. I think there's games where he could easily go 100. Right. But I also think there's games where he could drop, you know, a 40 or a 50 score which is really good for when you're playing best 18 because if you're able to get a 100 score out of him at MA, that's great. But if he's on your field in round one or round four and he drops a 40, you're not quite as happy with that. Yeah, interesting. I think that actually will be a very, like, it's it's such a seemingly small thing and a a player we maybe not considering too much, but I reckon that'll be a very big decision for a lot of teams. a structure debate, debate. Yeah, Yeah, whether you go the Mm. three mids and with him being the the guy on the the eighth, or you go with the two. um, Yeah, so one to definitely watch. Uh, Cooper Simpson, what do we reckon? Round one prospect, scoring potential, what do you think? Potentially a round one prospect, but it's really hard to see exactly how he slots in. Yeah. And the biggest thing I have with him is I think he's a massive sub risk. Yeah. I would not be going there personally myself. I can actually see him being a sub in round one, potentially. Yeah. Um, and Freya have been known to do that. They did that with Nathan O'Driscoll a couple of years they ago did, as well. Didn't they? Those and they bought, <laughs> yeah, and they bought in five back and brought him into game time with the sub as well. They're not afraid to, to put someone who's actually got good skills in that sub role in order to ease them into game time and get them to be at an AFL level. 
he'll be a great player in a couple of years time but I don't think his fantasy <laughs> prospects are there for us at, in our starting squads that's actually such a good point we need to we need to remember which teams are not afraid to debut someone as a sub because yeah. I don't know I reckon that's some teams I think w- wouldn't do that more out of like a I've always thought thing, that's, but, that's, but that's horrible sucks, hey, like, you're debuting and guess what chuck this vest on yeah, <laughs> yeah you're coming on at three quarter time uh, yeah so okay that's a very good point because um, there was a little bit of hype after a couple of match sims recently about his chances 200k uh, mid-forward, I think. But, yes, sounds like a bit of a sub-risk there. Last question for you, mate. Let's talk about uh, Sarong and then Luke Ryan. Do you think that they're, like, legitimate pod options if you were to go with them? Uh, do you think there's any improvement there for either of them? I think for Sarong, there can be a little bit of improvement. Like we're talking about, you only need a couple of points. And I think that, you know, I did the 50 episode with MJ earlier on in the year about Sarong. And I was talking about the fact that he can build his score build. He just needs to get a few more marks, a few yeah. more tackles and be involved in goals and push forward a bit more. And I think that'll come as, as Freya starts to get better because I think they're not quite as bad as people think they are this year, but they're not quite as good as what others might think they are. So I think that he can potentially push that 110, 112 marker. There is the concerns about tags with that, which, you know, it's hard to be overly optimistic when there's tags coming, but we also don't know when they are coming. But I wouldn't actually be going anywhere near Luke Ryan. He's been managing an ankle issue issue during the preseason, and they've actually been saying, well, he said in an interview that he's not been able to kick the ball more than about 40 metres, which doesn't bode well for Luke Ryan, that that is his one word right there. Yeah, it is. Long down the line and getting the kick-ins. It's a bit scary yeah. if you can't kick at 40 yeah. metres because that might mean other people get involved on the kick-ins yeah. or that he takes okay. a shorter kick-out option or someone else gets the distribution role like someone like, I don't know, Jordan Clark. Yeah. Or Where was that sore ankle honest. where we were only Hayden Young oh, last mate, year and Luke Riley was monopolising the kick-ins? <laughs> Christ. But yeah, so I, I don't think I would be going anywhere near Ryan to start the season at least. Yeah. We haven't asked you too many questions about Hayden Young because he is a lock in our sides. <laughs> and I know you were a big campaigner early in the preseason, but I'm just checking. He's still locked into your side? He's still locked into my side. It's just a matter of where he lines up. Okay, thrown away the key. It's nowhere to be seen. It's uh, it's it's Hayden Young's season, baby. We're, we're, <laughs> we're on here. Um, final question for, for Frio. Just a, more of an overarching thing. Can you see any change in game plan or anything coming for the Frio Dockers this year? Are they are they still more of that kick around the back? I know they tried to do a little bit of a switch up. Uh, I think it was a, in that Brisbane game uh, when Brayshaw started to go off. I don't remember that really carrying through too dramatically the rest of the season, but what, what do you see the game plan looking like for Frio this year? Look, I think the fact that Freo play a lot of games at Optus Stadium, which is a very large ground, and it's often quite warm in Perth, especially to start the season, it kind of lends itself to the game being a bit slower, a bit more chip mark. Yeah. Um, as it started to get in towards the, the winter seasons and they started to play a few more games away, they did start to try and implement a bit more faster ball movement, but there was still a lot of that control of the ball uh, that we saw early on. I think that they might try and move it a little bit faster, but I also think that they'll still try and possess the ball heavily, especially in those early rounds. So, look, it might be an impact on someone like Ryan scoring or some of the marks that Brayshaw might link up for during the middle of the year, but I don't think it'll be something that'll be... It's not like there's suddenly 15 points of downside associated with Luke Ryan. It might be like one kick mark a game sort of thing or one kick mark for someone like Brayshaw a game. Okay, sure. no, good good, uh, good insights there. Absolutely, man. I've been listening so intently, I haven't even been able to sneak in a shit joke yet. So <laughs> I've just been hanging off everywhere. I'm we sure appreciate get, you. I'm sure you get something in somewhere. We appreciate your insights, mate. Now, let's let's uh, take you away from Frio for a little bit and just give you a more broad question. Uh, unconventional takes. Are, are there any sentiments that you've seen getting around in the fantasy community that you could perhaps disagree with? Anything that you've heard us say that you think you'd disagree with as well? Just anything that might be slightly unconventional compared to what the status quo is at the minute? I might start with the less controversial of the two, which I think is the, the ability to be able to spend up for those top-tier mids this, this year especially. I, I mean, you hinted on it before when you were asking me about Brayshaw, but I actually think that it's it's a viable play to start 110 mids this year. I know a lot yeah, of people okay. are talking about it, like you need to be hunting for value in every single spot, and I just don't see that's the case. We're coming off years where there's been a lot of value baked into other players, and especially last year, it's really shifted our conceptions as to how we look at our starting team. We had four or five mid uh, midfielders that were lined up in our forward line. We had Nick Dacos down back, who was the captaincy option. We had Tim English and Ron Marshall, who were captaincy options. We're not going to have that this year. We're not going to have genuine captaincy options in our forward line. We're not going to really have genuine captaincy options in our ruck line, depending on how we line up. And down back, if you start Dacos, you might do. If you don't start him, you're probably not looking too much. So you need something to be able to bank a score on, especially in those early rounds. 
And then you also need to spend that money somewhere. Like we're looking for value in that ruck line. We're not going to really want to be spending up in our forward lines. Most of us have a pretty set structure down back. So where are you going to be burning your money? It's going to be in your midfield. Yeah, That's why I think it's very viable. And just the conception that like a 110 mid needs to go 115 or 120 is just yeah. is wrong. Like, like yeah. if you're a 112 midfielder and you go 113, you've probably done your job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you want to look for those ones that maybe just have a couple of points of upside and, and have the ability to be able to take the game away from the coaches that don't pick them. And the one that comes to mind to me is actually Oliver from last year. He went on a massive run to start the year. He, he didn't drop under 100 for the first 10 rounds and then he goes out injured. But if you find someone that does that this year, that has a spike game with a 150 or a 160 built in there a couple of times, then they're a smash pick. You've absolutely sent the best of the rest of the competition is looking for a way to bring that player in. But you've already got them. On sorry to cut you off. You on that topic, how do you assess the the risk of the opposite happening? Like obviously, we saw with Laird last year, he dropped, mm. dropped a bit of a stinker early on, and then that kind of the price comes down a little bit. Do do you see that risk as being less important to the potential that they maintain that score? I think it's really tri- tricky. You've got to kind of balance that, and you've got to be also willing to let go of a play if they don't do what you need them to do. Like a great example is someone like Jack McRae last year. He had a good round one score. A lot of people were quite happy. But after round two, he's just reverted back to sub 100 scores for about six weeks in a row. Mm. And if you're a coach that started him last year, you just had to jump off. So if you go for one of these 110 guys and they have a good round one, but all of a sudden they drop like an 80 in round two, you'd be like, right, is that a role change or is it a bad score? Or do I need to actually just jump off now and just be willing to? Because that's what those first four or five weeks are for. They're not for massive moves, massive upgrades. They're just for correcting mistakes that you've made in your team. Like, have you started a wrong premium? Have you missed a mid-pricer here or there? Yeah. You're going to get mistakes. You're going to get things wrong. You have to be able to just bite the bullet, jump off the player and restructure your team. Just be decisive. I'll, um, I'll follow through that a little bit more because you, you talk about Jack McRae, but I'll return serve you like a Rory Laird last year who did start mm-hmm. off with a stinker. Now, we were of the proponents that you shouldn't start a Rory Laird because he was like he wasn't priced one ten. He was priced one twenty, which I think is yeah. a different ball game. Similar to a bot this year. He comes out and scores a what a fifty four or whatever. Are you suggesting that, say, if someone was in that situation again, they do start with a bond, he comes out and scores a 70 in round one, but his role is the exact same. Are you saying get off there or is it very much dependent on the situation in general? Like, what's what, My question is, I guess, what makes it a hold fat versus a trade in those big dogs? I think it becomes a really subjective thing and it's very much what the coach is willing to accept and what they're willing to not if I started Bunton Pelly, which, spoiler alert, I'm not going to start Bunton I'm Pelly, not going to be either. And he dropped a 70 in round one, I would be looking to trade him. Because yeah. the amount of cash that you're going to lose and the ability to be able to pick him up 100, 150K, 200K cheaper, but also the ability to be able to use that cash to change your team, to be able to grab the mid-prices that you've missed, the rookies that you've missed, yeah. the underpriced premium that's gone 130 and will accelerate in price that everyone's trying to get on, you have that ability now. And so that's where I think you've just got to be able to say, buy the bullet, I've got it wrong, let's move. Yeah, and I think I think that that situation is so difficult to be in, which is why I just mm. wouldn't put myself in that situation altogether. And I think I remember I think it was Rids that was saying that on one of the podcasts that on the coaches panel. Shout out to you guys. Um, just don't put yourself in that situation. Don't pay up for these big dogs. But like like you said, I agree. There's a difference between a 120 price tag and a 110 price tag. And yeah. like you said before, I think that high floor sort of you know security in their role. I think is probably even so more important than like the upside, which is why I'd be very hesitant starting someone like even an Errol Goulden, who is a killer, yeah. like, but his role is volatile and is as good as he is um, with that early buy. It sort of makes I mean, it a bit questionable. It's, it's a one out of box score for Rory Laird. It was his lowest score in oh, like, yeah. seven yeah. years. Yeah, like two, you can't predict hot. something like that happening. And he popped 140 but, the next week. So of his first two yeah, exactly, weeks, he exactly. averaged 100, <laughs> you know, yeah. so. But you, you don't want to be fighting against the magic number as much as you can That's early. Right. Like if you can be, going with it and jumping on the guys that have the lower break-evens, then take that every day of the week rather than fighting with someone who's got a 150 break-even and it's guaranteed to drop cash. You what said, was oh yeah, was the more spicy? Yeah, of the, yeah <laughs> we spent five minutes talking about the vanilla <laughs> one. What's the spicy one? <laughs> the spicy one is that there needs to be less focus on your starting squad and more focus on what you're actually doing. So like, Amen. I, I, I kind game. of... It is a trading game. Yeah. And this comes back to the notion, I, I, I might have kicked the, the hornet's nest a little bit with this, with this, but I think the notion of keepers might be slightly outdated. Oh, yeah. We, yeah I yeah, think yeah. that it's just a, it's a concept that has its time when you're in limited trades. But when you've got two trades a week and three through the buys and a 24-round season, 
the chances that you go from with a player from the start of the season to the end of the season is like 10% less. Even if they're like if someone who's a 950K player, like let's say Bontempelli, if you start him, yeah. there's like at least a 30, 40, 50% chance that you're not going to end the season with him. Yeah. That whether it be injury, whether it be a bad score, whether it be a bad fixture run. So what you're looking for is you're looking for the combination of players that allows you to maximize your points but also allows you to actually have the best structure. So can you move between players easy? Do you have someone at that 900K price point so that let's say they fail, but there's someone who's moving up. Can you move through to them? So when we look at our forward lines this year and compare it to last year, last year we had, you know, an abundance of near premium guys that were all in a really similar price tag. And most people started, you know, four of them, if not five. And the ability to be able to shuffle around with them was there because you had a lot of them. This year, we don't have those really high-priced guys that you want to start. There's McCrane, Flanders, and then it's probably Adams, the next one at 600K marker. So if you've got five or six players in that 600K bracket, have a couple of them so that if the one that you start doesn't pop, you can just move across the other one instead. So that's, I think, what's more important in our starting squads. It's not just identifying that the value is there, but it's like identifying where the price points are, that there are players that are going to pop, and then focusing on making the right trades early to get onto those players that do pop. I love, I love that take, and it was something that I, I felt like I, over the course of the season, taught myself last year was that I had a, a shocking starting week. I had a few injuries, but just with some like disciplined trading, I was able to kind of straight batting, kind of get my way back into it. Isn't it ironic that we have months to obsess over? We've got to make starting, content for something, mate. We've got to... squad, <laughs> and it's probably the less important yeah. of them, and then we have a week to obsess over the trades, which yeah. is the, the most important. So. <laughs> got to talk about something. Got to talk about something in January. And we love fucking we got a talking, four-day mate. panic period. <laughs> yeah, correct. the end of round zero and the start of round one. Oh, oh that's going to be wild. Yeah, uh, be yeah. but what I'm, what I'm taking away from that is obviously there's no keepers in AFL. That's a soccer and netball position. So uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, let's go on to the next topic here. Hansel, so hot right now. Hansel, so hot right now. Uh, we're talking hot topics, and there are two main hot topics which are sweeping the preseason. Probably too much so, but let's talk about them anyway. Forward line. Let's talk about the forward line, and uh, you mentioned it before, it's this very different to last year. How are you viewing that forward line this year? You mentioned before that maybe we don't want to be spending up. Is that kind of the strategy you're going for? And is there anyone in particular that maybe you're you know, a bit more warm on than others? I think it's a really tricky year. I think that the the easiest way to describe it would be pray and try not to cry. Uh, it's just <laughs> like that it. bad. It's similar to my strategy. I, I've actually been, I just don't scroll down that far. <laughs> so I just fill my team. Fuck, my defense and midfield's looking good. Oh, I'll tell yeah, you yeah, what. Yeah, just crop it. At just the, crop yeah. it out. Yeah. How, many, how many 300K guys can you squeeze into that forward line yeah. and still be able to sleep at night? <laughs> try 200, mate. Let's go 200. <laughs> oh, jeez. It, it's, it's, it's pretty rough. Like, it's hard to spend up because there's not many options that have a lot of green flags associated with them above that 600k marker. A lot of people are going towards someone like Flanders or someone like McRae before he had the hamstring injury, but it's hard to see where the upside comes from those players. And especially with someone like Flanders, that early buy can be a bit scary for some coaches to go into. I know we'll talk about that a bit later, but I think that that's where, why people are wanting to spend down because you've got those options in that 600k lower bracket that have, no early buy, people see upside and they want to try and take a couple of guesses at them. So you're yeah. taking kind of a, I guess, a, you, you, you go into the, 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 the grocer or the news agency and you say, I want to buy a couple of lottery tickets here and I'm, I'm wanting to bet that, you know, McDonald's going to be the one to break out or five's going to return back to four yeah. or fish is going to be getting the one getting the half back roll. You need to have some tickets to the lottery, you don't want to be all in. You don't want to be saying, I want six of these players and yeah. if three of them fail, I've got nowhere else to go. Yeah, don't mortgage uh, the house. <laughs> I think that's the balance that you need to have. So you want to want to have probably one guy to try and anchor around if you can. Some people are seeing that as an Adams. Some people are seeing it as a Flanders. I think that both are pretty reasonable at this stage. Then you want to have a couple of lottery tickets and then you want to have a few down at that, you know, basement price. I mean, we're looking at the likes of Lazaro, Finlay McRae, Reed. I think these are players that are pretty good for having it, you know, F5, F6. You mentioned something before about um, structuring your team to give yourself the ability to pivot. How are you looking to do that in the forward line more specifically? What, what kind of price brackets are you looking in to then be able to pivot elsewhere if need be? Yeah, I think that's a good question to ask. I think that that 600K bracket is where I'm looking to have, you know, as I say, a couple of lottery tickets. I want to have probably two or three digs that plays in that 600K bracket. You know, currently the ones that I'm really liking in there are Connor McDonald and, and Zach Fisher. Yeah, I think that they're the two that 
have the easiest pathway to upside in my eyes. But if I don't like what I'm seeing out of them after the first week or two, I'm very happy to just pull the trigger and jump onto one of those other guys, be it someone like Rochelle or be it someone like um, uh, even a Sardis at 400k if they've got the role. Yeah, I, th- I think the the preseason is is hugely relevant for the because a lot of these guys, like you said, like a Conor McDonald, it's it's entirely role dependent, right? Like we yeah. need we need the role to be there. Uh, the news broke today that Will Day is going to be missing the first three rounds, so mm. um, that's something that's interesting to just again think and pause on a little bit. You got Dylan Moore who's questionable who, for a little bit, so we don't know. Like it could it could not be there in the preseason, and then it'd be hard to pick him. But if it is there, I think. Like I said, that's a lottery ticket I think I would be wanting to be part of. And if it doesn't work, just move on to the next one. Um, so I like your thinking there. Let's touch on those early buy rounds as the next hot topic. And uh, maybe we'll stay in the forward line and talk about someone like a Flanders. I'm actually consuming content recently. I've been hearing more and more people saying that the who cares about the early buy rounds and, and having that kind of... It's best eighteen. Don't worry. And I've, yeah. that was a very that was a not very popular opinion early days, but it's becoming more. I think more accepted was recently. It once, was it once Damien Hardwick said, "Pick him in your team"? It might have been something like that. But uh, yeah, I think I've, I've just heard a few people saying that it's, it's only a, it's only a couple of rounds. Like, don't worry about it. Where do you land on that in terms of um, you know avoiding? How many can you have? Or what? What are your thoughts? I mean, Flanders has been doing my head in. He's been in my mind. Super sexy Flanders, super sexy Flanders. He's been there all preseason. <laughs> yes. And he's yet to make his way into my team, actually. Um, I, I, I think that that early buy, people are starting to come around at it. They're starting to, initially, it was like, you've got to avoid, you've got to avoid. Yeah. And then there's like, oh, what if you actually do pick someone in there? And it's like, oh, maybe we can pick three or four of them in there now. And it's, <laughs> I, I'm still in the category of I want to try and avoid them where I can. Okay. And the, there aren't many players in that early buy that I view as out-and-out premiums that, I think can take the game away from you mm-hmm. very quickly because they tend to be the ones that are more underpriced. They tend to be the more popular picks. I'm thinking of someone like, you know, Zach Williams or Brody Grundy or even Max Gorn. These types of players are the players that a lot of people are on already because they have clear value associated with them. And I think Flanders is probably the one that's the most difficult to, to kind of pinpoint because he has, of those early buys, a really early one. I think yeah. he's in round yeah. three. three. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that makes it really hard to justify. Uh, and also that the fact is he's already priced at, what is it, 99, I think, yeah. 90, yeah. yeah. It's like if he goes at 100, is that really going to be the difference between you having a good start to the season and not? Probably not. So I think that's where I kind of land on someone like Flanders. I think the slightly interesting thing with Flanders as well is although there's obviously plenty of hype around what Dimmer said and you know he's going to be pick him in your team and all that kind of stuff, it's going to be a different game style as well yeah, up there on yeah. the Gold Coast. So it's not like you can say, oh, okay, well, pick him in. He's going to just go back to doing the 140s he was doing in the last two rounds. It's a different game style. So even if he is the head honcho in there, it's it, it may not be a fantasy-friendly game style. Yeah, and, and that does concern me as well as the, the fixture run that they have. At least we have round zero to be able to see what their game style is, what yeah. the role is that he has. And I think that, you know, as I said, there's four days of panic between round zero and round one. And... You just have to take in as much information as you can and do the, you know, figure it out in your brain. Like, what's the players that I'm watching here? What am I looking for? What are those lines that I'm wanting to set for these sorts of players? And if they achieve them, how do I structure my team in order to be able to get them in? You reckon I can have four days off work to just devote to... I'm sure they'd understand. Yeah. Mate. Fantasy starting in three days. There's a type like, of leave, a... I, leave, I think. Fantasy leave. I, <laughs> I might, that, might catch that we, in. We should petition that. That should definitely be a thing. Uh, let's go on and talk about that opening round because, like you said, this it's going to be must-watch viewing. And, and yeah. you know, fantasy, well, we're, yeah. we're all going to be taking days off, I reckon, <laughs> <laughs> at least not be doing much work at all that week. And uh, Do you do lots of work normally? Or? Hell no. <laughs> not this time of year. Uh, but let's talk about some hypothetical situations. Some uh, opening round roulette, as we like to call it. Starting with some popular players and number one most relevant player for AFL Fantasy as uh, by uh, MJ from the coaches panel, Nick Dacos. He comes out, he scores 140. He's uh, basically a pure inside mid with 70% CBAs. Are you tempted? Is he in your team? I did just want to say that I, I actually really appreciate the way that you guys are doing this and that you're not focusing on just the score, but that you're also looking at the role. Yes. Uh, I will say that my answers here are taken with a bit of a grain of salt because I think that the role doesn't just come down to, say, uh, CBAs or kicking percentages, yeah. but it also comes into like how game style factors for these sorts of players and actually who they're playing as well. Mm. Um, cool. But if we're just looking at these factors alone, someone like Dacos going 140 with 70% CBAs, 
I'm probably still saying no. Yeah, interesting. I know. Uh, I know some people are, are very scared to go against him, and um, but I I agree with you. I I really don't see a world where I start Dacos in my team just the way I'm going for it. But can I yeah. can I follow that up? What what is it? Is it the early run with the McGinnis situation? Is it the buy itself? Is there something in Price particular? Tag. Price tag. Yeah. I just don't see him being able to go at a level that takes the game away from me. Yeah. And that opening by the, the round by. Round five buy that he yes. has, as well as the McGinnis tag, is enough to just sway it. Like he's priced at 109 already. Yeah, like yeah. it's a very high price tag for him to be able to take the season away from you. He probably has to go out 125 to 130. He would need to do first. what Oliver did last year, and, and more, and 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 more because he's got the buy. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's there's just not enough for him for me to think that he can take the game away from him. And yes, obviously there's the the problem of having to afford him after the buy, but. I'd, I'd rather get to that hurdle and figure it out then than have to worry about him having the McGinnis tag and the buy. All right, this next one we've got for you, mate. I suspect I know the answer, but we'll tick the box. What if Kitty Coleman came out and gave you a 105 with 50% kick-ins? Would you cop the buy? This one's a bit trickier. I actually okay. think I would probably take him. Ooh, and it's I, because did, I did up I the, the points on this one. <laughs> and, and I don't have a good reason why, except for I don't really have someone that I like in that D3 slash D4 spot in my team. And I'm still looking to actually figure that out at the moment. The Chapman injury completely ruined that slot for me. Yes, Yo's come in, not 100% sold in it, but we'll see. So that 105 from someone like Kadeen Coleman with like 50% kick-ins, I think that'd be pretty tempting. Okay, I, I I agree. I think I think before that injury, I was sort of steadfast that like no, I'll, I'll you know Heath Chapman will do the same kind of job. Um, you know, there's, there's still I, I guess your answer might be dependent on what else we see from other players as well exactly. as all of these things are. But um, yeah, that is. Uh, That'll be a tempting one for me as well, but we'll have to see. Let's talk about Zach Williams, who didn't play in the uh, the preseason game today. He still, let's say he plays next week. He gets one preseason game. He comes in an opening round and he scores a 70, but he has no kick-ins. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Uh, 70 is 21 points of upside. We're kind of bit dead for options down back there. I know that we've got players like Caulfield and Marty Hoare, maybe a house, maybe a... You know, some rookies pop their head up like a Dan Curtin, but 21 points of upside from a rookie, uh, from a, a player that you can start at kind of D5 or D4, I'm probably taking that. I'm probably yeah. saying that's fine. And the other thing is like, we, we talk about these early biases being a massive problem, but they become useful if we get something like a playing R3 because it gives you the ability to be able to loop on rookie scores as well. And if looking at our D5 and D, sorry, a D7 and D8 options as being quite bad, if you're able to snag an E-loop and get a 75 or an 80 out of one of those players and you've got someone like Zach Williams to be able to take that on, then that's great. So I think that that's fine for someone like him. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree. I think it's not as much of an issue, obviously, with those cheaper guys. Plus, it gives you a, a cap and CVC loop as well that you can use. Uh, and I do want to remind everyone that they are locked in at the end of the round, so you can loop yeah. for anybody for the entire, uh, entire weekend. So. Now, I think Mitch might have made a typo here because nope. this one is big. <laughs> Tommy Green gives you the big 150 piece on 85% CBA. Yeah, He's yeah. going to do that anyway. Yeah, inside mid, same yeah. role as last year. 150. 150. <laughs> on the dot. 150, I will be having a serious think about how I can get Tom Green into my side yep. because of who he plays in round one and round two. Yep. <laughs> That's so juicy, so, hey? 150, 85% CBAs, I will be finding as many ways as I can to be able to slot him in. Very nice. With, with the intention of then trading him at his buy or... I think that that's something that you decide when it gets to that buy point. Fair call. I don't think Play you can ever go into it. Yeah, I don't think you can ever go into a season and say, like, I want to trade this player at this round like people could look at it with someone like like let's let's go back to the Kadeen Coleman example he goes 105 and then he goes 80 in round round one you can yeah. say yeah I'll trade him at round two that's my path off but you can't ever go into a season and say I want to trade Kadeen Coleman at round two or I want to trade Tom Green at round three I think it's a great point too because when when you start playing that game in your mind you're clouding your future judgment I think because you, yeah. you've already assuming whether yeah. you th- know it or not you've already kind of sub- locked yourself yep. into something. So I really think that's a great point. Uh, this one's an interesting one because I sent you these, these ones beforehand, uh, but since then, Sam Walsh yep. has been ruled out of the practice matches. Um, he's still up in the air for opening round, but let's say he's there opening round and he plays really well. He comes out, scores a 125. He's got 65% CBA, so the majority mid-time, maybe let's say he is pushing up from high half forward and when he's not inside. Uh, what are you doing in that situation if, after that 125? 
Uh, no, but it's not just due to the scores, as you said, because the fact he's missed those preseason games and because the fact it's the same issue that he was back. having last year. It's the back. And that can be something that lingers for a long time. And I just don't want any part of it. Agreed. Spinal. Spinal, yeah. He's got spinal. The, the dreaded spinal injury. Yeah, I tweet out. I tweet out. There's just no way I think you can start with him now. Yeah. Uh, I just I just cannot see it personally because of those reoccurring issues uh, plus the, the early bias. So, now, for me. this next one could be a good opportunity to get you talking rucks as well. What if Big Maxi Gorn gave you a 110 and he's got that prime number one ruck roll, which I think we all know he's going to? I think this is really tricky. Uh, and I know that you've sent these to me before, and so I can have a look at them. And the two that you've got back-to-back... Yeah, let's put them together. It just makes it very hard. They verse each let's other. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, so you, you've got Gorn there at 110, 80% CBAs. You've got Grundy at 80 with 80% CBAs as well. I think if they came out and gave those scores in round zero, I would be leaning for, for Gorn over Grundy. But it all depends on what the other player does. Because I'm, I'm looking at those two players, and I'm looking to pair them alongside Cherry at this stage. And, you know, so, yeah. So, so far, early days, it can change, but you're locking in Cherry as one of your ruck options and deciding between these two? 100%. He looked yep. good um, he yesterday, did, two days ago. He looked bloody good, I reckon. Um, in the but, headgear, too. Yes, mm. love the headgear. But, okay, so in this situation, you're deciding between those two. Max Gorn gives you the 110. That's enough for you to lean that way? Yeah, it is. Is that simply because of a cash generation point of view, or does it just give you enough doubt that Grundy's going to be outperforming his price enough. What's the reasoning behind that? I think that the cash generation that Gorn is able to get going 110 with a, with a you know price at 92 compared to an 80 of a 75, Gorn could go up 100K in those first four weeks before he gets to his early buy. Yeah. And that can be the difference between coaches being able to get onto him and coaches not being able to get onto him. And if he's going at 110, there's a chance that he's close enough to the top two rocks where he's a keeper. He's someone that you just hold for the rest of the season. So if he goes one ten against someone like Grundy on the SCG, I'm more than happy with that. Yeah, it'd certainly be certainly be good with. But I thought there was no keepers in AFL. No, I'm oh, you stitched, <laughs> oh, you stitched I'm him up. Don't kidding. come on again with this, bloke. We'll just we'll go a bit of one on one next. No, time I agree anyway. with you. I agree with you. I think it just gives you one less thing to worry about. I also like the fact, and this I wrote this in the DT article, the DT talk um, deck of DT, that Max Gorn's got the round fourteen by. Grundy mm. and Cherry both have the round twelve buy. So if you mm-hmm. are locking in Trish and Jerry, we don't need we don't want to forget about the actual mid season buys as well. And a lot of times we don't love to have both of our rucks out in the same week because we won't have many did, options. Did you cover. look at what uh what buy Marshall and English have? Both round fifteen, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, of of all the options. Gorn's the only one with like a unique buy. I'm not one for thinking ahead, mate. I, I don't even know what I'm doing in probably half an hour from now, let alone Team then. Max. Jesus. Okay, Sammy Flanders, we've talked about him a little bit. If he gives you the 100, but I think the most interesting part of this might be the 65% CBAs. What are your thoughts there? Uh, I will pass until after his buy. Yeah, fair call. Fair call. Yeah, I think, uh, I think he's interesting. I think to me it definitely depends on the rest of the forward options, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think that is a very interesting one. And last one here, Taylor Adams, again, didn't play today in the first preseason game, um, but he comes out and scores a 95 on 50% CBAs. What are you doing? I would probably be picking him. Okay, okay. interesting. Does this also matter if you go Grundy or Gorn? I think it does to an extent. Um, and I think it also matters if you go Dacos as well, because yep. you know the Swans and the Pies shared that round five by. And we're already looking at, you know, Adams, Grundy, Dacos as being options. Then we've got players like Jordan being a potential option, Finlay McRae being an option. Yeah. It's going to be scary for that buy of the early buys, I think. I think that's the one that people are looking yeah. for the most amount of, I guess, options that they would at least hold up to, if not longer than that buy. Um, so, yes, I think it does matter. But I also think that you can afford to have, you know, one off on your ruck line, one off on your forward line, one off on your back line if you want to. It just depends on how much your risk tolerance is. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move away from the uh, opening round roulette and just quickly touch on someone who is a lock outside of the rookies, outside of Colton McKercher, mm-hmm. which I'm sure we all have, and Harley oh, Reid. Yeah. Uh, who hasn't left your side all preseason or someone that you're very, very confident is going to be there round How one? you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Hayden Young has been there all preseason. He hasn't moved. Let's go. Look, I, I, I try not to give too much away because I, I need to keep a few secrets to myself, but I also want to, don't want to be too vanilla. I think the one that's left my, that hasn't left my side um, uh, down back is actually Tom Stewart. Yep. He's been in there since my first draft, and I'm very comfortable starting him at either D1 or D2, depending on how I structure up. Uh, and I think the more surprising one uh, would be actually Zach Fisher. I've had him since since day one. Um, 
I've actually been away, so that's why I wasn't thinking about the game as much during the time where he had that hamstring awareness. Cool, um, but but he hasn't left my side all year. Nice. Yeah, he's uh, so he's you, you could say that he's got you on the hook, hey? Uh, hook line and sinker. <laughs> yes. Okay. One more step. You've just recycled my gear for last. Hey, time. recycling's good for the environment, mate. Uh, just, let's... How about you just reel it in, mate? Yeah. <laughs> let's go. Oh, I just stole uh, your gear. Yeah. Like a little back and back. Uh, let's talk about. We're obviously in the midst of the preseason games. Uh, who are yeah. you watching the most intently over the next week and a half? Uh, it could be a team. It could be a player or a combination of the of the two. Yeah, look, I was trying to really uh, see what the Sydney midfield was going to do today. And a lot of the, the comments about it that have been really hard to gauge because Goulden only played a half, Adams wasn't there. It's an absolute mess. So you have no idea what's actually going on. Yeah, I'm more confused uh, now and, than and I was before. One, yeah. Uh, the other ones I'm really looking at are the two clubs where there's been a coach change. So the Gold Coast and Richmond game styles. I want to see what's actually going on with them. Uh, and then the North Melbourne halfback rotation. I know that I'd really like Fisher, but it's more for someone like Sheasel and just to understand yeah. exactly how much of a monopoly on the role, monopoly on the kick-ins, yeah. whether he's actually rotating into the midfield more than what he did last year, or if he actually even pushes further forward. Because we get to see it in its full state. I think Luke McDonald, someone that could still have a bit more of an effect down that. Bailey yeah. um, Scott also Bailey Scott as well. I think he's a bit more of a winger, but he could push down there for a little bit of the chip-to-chip. Um, but yeah, those are probably the ones that I'm looking at the most. And, and maybe the, the Hawthorne half-forward type role with the with the injuries today and um, and, and more being out with glandular fever. Yeah, cool. I like it. All right. All right, we get to the fun stuff now, mate. You ready oh, to go boy. for some rapid-fire questions? Rapid-fire. First thing now comes I'm going to head, in blind. Yeah, don't, don't think about it too hard. Just, just go with your heart here, mate. All okay, right. we'll start off with some fantasy stuff, mate. So predict the highest averaging player this year. Andrew Brayshaw. I like it. I like it. Biggest improver this season from last season's averages. George Wardlaw. Okay. That's I like to hear that. I like it. Yeah, yeah he's, he's been good. he's been getting around with the Ox songs recently and okay. he's been doing more than peeping through cubicles. Like oh, he's, okay. he's been training with the boys. <laughs> all right, so all right. uh, what are we all? Oh, I'm up. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's winning the flag? Rapid fire. Uh Brisbane. Ugh. Uh let's go on to wooden spoon predictions. Uh West Coast. Poor, poor Spoken like a, two, a true Frio supporter. Yeah, nice. I, like that. Uh, you know, I just have to dig the dagger in a bit further. <laughs> would you, uh, I particularly like this question, would you rather win, of course, another hat or your team win a premiership? Uh, I think it would be a premiership. Premiership. When you've got a couple on the yeah, shelf. Yeah, I was going to say, go, maybe we should make that like a, a yeah. car or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, let's do it. We, well, run, we run the show. Yeah, would okay. you rather win a car or your team win a premiership? I'd rather win the car. You'd be fucking oh. crazy not to say a car, surely. Like, yeah. like honestly, man. You, I'm a big Richmond fan, but give me a fucking car on my driveway. <laughs> Those yeah. highlights just cost a fucking mint. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, besides yourself, and again, we'll see who, who if, you're, if you're there or not, but who do you think wins the Content Creators Cup? Who's your, who's your content creator you're backing in this season to have a big year? Oh, God. Uh, I don't even know who the full field is. Uh, I mean, it could be anyone just right in front of your face or, or someone oh. off the beaten track. <laughs> I think I think Guesty recovers from his uh, laps last year in the grand final and wins it this year. All right, we'll just have to edit that one out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, good pick, good pick. Okay, now we're getting spicy. Toilet paper over or under? I'm not a psycho. It's over. Correct. This is. I'm well, glad I think we, that's swept the field. Everyone's over. I'm glad we don't have any psychos that we're interviewing. Yeah, it's perfect. That's, that's that's a good one. Uh, what is your favorite favorites chocolate? Which is the first chocolate you f- you pick out of a favorites box? Cherry ripe. Oh, that's a good pick. It's a unique pick. I Do you know your face said you don't like cherry ripe? I'm not a big. I'm not a big. Is it a strawberry or raspberry? You don't have a leg to stand on, mate. I know what you pick. Morrow's every it's day. In the name. Oh, true. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's a, that's a miss for me. Well, well played, well played. The uh, oh, this one is soup a drink or a meal? Uh, it's a meal. Okay, so you eat soup, don't drink it. Uh. Depends on the soup. It depends on the consistency. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so if, you, if you say like you've got like some things to it, like you've got chopped up vegetables, you're eating the vegetables that are in there. If it's blended completely, but then you're yeah, you're probably soup. drinking it. This, that's part of the soup, mate. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, no, that's part of the soup. soup. Oh, okay, fair enough. You're not going to be sucking up a huge piece of broccoli through a straw. So. <laughs> no, you are not. Absolutely not. Oh, last one. Uh, does a straw, speaking of straws, does a straw have two holes or one? It has one hole. Ask a topologist. Ask a what? Is that someone who studies straws? What? <laughs> no, it's, it's a type of mathematics where they look at shapes and it's pretty clear. Wow, It's science. a one-hole thing. Wow, I've, okay. 
my point's been proven by math. I think that's been a sweep too. I think no one said two. And, uh, yeah, because I'm, they're not clowns like you, mate. I'm converted. Hey, I was... Bro, I'm not big on math, but if math says the math math, then I'm all about math. All right. So. There you have it. Conclusive evidence, everyone. After the series, we can confidently say a straw has one hole. If we've learned nothing else about AFL fantasy, we now know a straw has it's one worth hole. It. It's been worth Thank it. you very much for coming on to the show, Mini Monk. Obviously, you guys have got a lot of stuff going on at the coaches panel. The top 50 most relevant has uh, wrapped up, but your content will still keep going. Uh, what's coming on the coaches panel and anything you want to plug for yourself as well? Yeah, so I think the 50s wrapped up. You can go back and listen to any specific episodes. Like if you're looking for, let's say, Connor McDonald, who I've talked about, he was number 50. You can go back and listen to our talk about him. Uh, But, yeah, we'll be doing some more regular content on the the Coaches Panel channel. Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter as well. So if you ever need to ask a question, I'm always there and always willing to provide a response back. And you can find me there at Minimonk10 and doing weekly podcasts with Coaches Panel. We're starting to get back into it, I think, this weekend. So... Hopefully some more content coming out with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Make sure you get along and, and follow the coaches panel. They are doing a lot more AFL fantasy uh, specific content this season as well. So I know a little mm. bit of a difference to previous years there. So definitely go and check that one out. That'll do Beautiful. it for us today, mate. Thanks so much for coming on, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, we appreciate you giving up your time. Thank you, everyone, as well for listening along. That concludes our Community Catch-Up series. Our next podcast, we will be reviewing the first batches of match sims. We'll be going through all of them and giving our thoughts, thoughts some more to talk about than others. Uh, we'll be doing that on Sunday uh, morning or Sunday afternoon, whenever you catch up with that. So stay tuned for that one. Like this podcast. Give it a big thumbs up. Subscribe. Five stars. All that jazz. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.